We mention often that at the Motherhood Kit, being a mom is one of the most rewarding experiences, but it can also be the most challenging. We know that navigating motherhood while keeping the passion alive in your partnership or marriage can be difficult, and that's why we're here to help. If you've followed me on the gram, you know I'm married to my high school sweetheart, and we've been able to build on our relationship while I navigate motherhood, and it's been vital for me to keep the connection with my husband. In this episode, we're bringing on a fellow mom who talks about relationship on her platforms. Karina Davies is a relationship coach who teaches women how to enjoy more satisfying marriages. As a relationship coach, Karina leverages her experience as a former social worker and adjunct professor of women's studies to teach women how to strategically evaluate their personal identity, values, and standards so that they can elevate their marriages and themselves. We all need that. Let's discuss saying no to what people want motherhood to look like for us. Let's discuss listening to our partners. And most importantly, let's discuss intimacy. Hi, I'm Yamel, a registered nurse, doula, international board certified lactation counselor, and a business owner. But most importantly, I'm a mother. Join in as we empower you with tools and resources provided by myself and our expert guests. Let us lighten your load by providing tons of laughs, but most of all, hold hands in this community we call motherhood. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Motherhood Kit, Karina. I'm so happy to have you on. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. If you can take a little bit and just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your platform and all the things that you do over on your podcast. Awesome. Okay. So my name's Karina F. Daves. I am a relationship coach, speaker, and podcaster of One Day at a Time. And I love helping women unpack and figure out who the better them is so that they can have a better relationship and a better marriage. Perfect for us, of course, which is why I had you on. So I've been married now 25 years, and this is a topic that comes up so much in my circle where people Mm -hmm. are just like, there's not enough time, Yamel, or I don't feel sexy, or, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm I'm giving so much of myself to motherhood. Mm -hmm. I don't have any more to give. Mm -hmm. And I was there. I have to be honest, for a long time, I was also there. I felt like almost like an aha moment. I don't know when it was. It was at some point of mothering the first two. And what I realized was it all started with him. Mm. So why am I going to, or how can I allow myself to just totally give myself up to motherhood when at the end of the day, they're going to grow up. And trust me, for everyone listening, they (laughs) are going to grow up. I'm still feeling the pain of my oldest leaving and they're going to have their own life. And then you are here with this partner that Mm. maybe you don't know anymore because you haven't nurtured that relationship. Mm. Mm. So that was my aha moment. Mm -hmm. But what other challenges do you see or do you hear from the women that you coach relating to motherhood and how it affects their spouse and their partner? And thanks for sharing that story. I really do think that a lot of it comes down to the expectations that we perceive the world wants us to have when we step into motherhood, right? There is such more of a bigger pressure 
on mothers than there are fathers. And it's so mm-hmm. interesting because we're recording this right before Father's Day weekend. Yes. And, um, you know, when I got married, I knew that one of the things that I valued was having an equal opportunity household where mm-hmm. we really could dismantle certain gender norms and expectations of the normal things that we argue about, the dishes and the cleaning and the pickups and the drop-offs and the meals. And I, you know, made a pact with my husband, which I was like, listen, I taught women in gender studies for five years. I, it was something that I love to talk about and roles and whatnot. And I know it's something that I value. Are you on board? My husband has four sisters. <laughs> so, or sorry, three sisters. So for him, he's just like, yeah, of course. Like I grew up with my yeah. sisters. And I think that that also maybe made a difference. But one of the things that the clients that I work with really struggle with in the beginning of motherhood is falling into the expectation that the world has of them and motherhood, right? Like what is expected? And the messaging that mothers get is your life is over. You will stop sleeping. You won't have time for yourself. You won't have time to have sex. Like there are so many big things put out there about- Or you should look a certain way, which I get that a lot. I On my Instagram, people will message me like, oh my goodness, you don't look like a mom of five. And I'm like, what does a mom of five look like? Because I'm still Yamel. I'm still me. I love fashion. I love dressing cute. I Mm -hmm. love putting on a short dress sometimes. Mm -hmm. So that whole world is, and again, I almost felt into that trap. One of my friends who was on here, her name is Raina Boston. Her tagline is doing it all is a scam. Mm. Doing it all is a scam. And you don't have to do it all as a mom. And you don't have to, like you said, fit into this mold that people expect you to fit into. You're still going to be a great mom. Yeah. And the more you try to fit into that mold, the less you're getting out of the mold that God is shaping for you. Like that really resonated with me during that time. And I think that was my aha moment that I'm really not truly being in an alignment with the purpose that God is calling me to have. I'm much more focused on being what the world is calling me to be rather than what God wants me to be. And I think that that's when a lot of things shifted for me. I know that you, you're running a business too, Mm -hmm. um, and you guys have four, right? Four Mm -hmm. kids. Mm -hmm. What are some ways that you stay connected trying to navigate all these things? Because I'm not going to sit here and lie. Like Mm -hmm. right now, my husband and I this week just had a conversation because this week I feel really connected. And I'm a little bit like my friends make fun of me because I always talk about like I need to sleep with like one hand on my husband and I need to... (laughs) I love for us to check in during the day. And of course, this has come with time and learning and all that. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe it's just that I'm super clingy because we've been married since teenagers. Mm-hmm. But I do like to feel connected to him even when everything is a shitstorm around mm-hmm. us. So what are some strategies that maybe you have put in place and you even educate your clients about? So a couple of things I'll say is one, it doesn't happen overnight. (laughs) It takes practice, right? Like even if you think about just sports, like, you know, or like Michael Jordan just like didn't get on the basketball court and, you know, be the most amazing person, but like he practiced and a bunch of other people did as well. So it takes practice. Um, I also think that number two 
is in order for somebody to become unraveled, untethered, and be super raw with each other, there has to be this agreement that we're going to create a safe space for one another. Mm -hmm. And if I can't do that, if I don't have the capacity to do that, then I also need to tell you that I don't have the capacity to do that and walk away for a second. Because I know that there's been plenty of times where I want to share something vulnerable. My husband wants to share something vulnerable and they just don't have the capacity to sit there without judgment, without wanting to fix a situation, right? There's many people that show up um, as different partners, right? Some of us show up as the fixer, where if your partner shares something, you automatically want to fix it. Some of us show up as like the ultimate cheerleader, where like it scares your partner because you believe more in them than you do in yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Some of us show up as the protector, where like every single thing that they share, you're telling them the thing that could go wrong about it. And so so how do we navigate who we're showing up as for our partner in moments where they're trying to be vulnerable and they're trying to share? And my answer is you need to create a safe space and have a mixture of all of those, right? So one, ask ask your partner, are you looking for a solution or just for a safe space, right? Cheering your partner on, obviously, and also allowing your partner to understand that you're not coming for them, but in essence, you're looking at the other side of the picture when they're pitching something to you. So for me, for example, when I'm thinking mm-hmm. about how am I finding harmony between, you know, my business, our kids, um, my marriage and everything that I want to do, a lot of it has to do with those moments of release where, I want to run to my partner and share everything. That is what creates the realm in our household for it to feel safe. And that honestly, Yamel, trickles down to the kids, right? Um, So I'll share a quick vulnerable moment. But but before I do, I do want to say this. We do have four kids together, but I do want to honor that the – first two are my stepchildren and they have moms who are beautiful. Um, we currently have custody of, of one of the girls and the other one um, comes on the weekend. So I always want to honor that. So I'm co-parenting with them. Yeah. yeah thank you for um, sharing that. And then we have thank an eight-year-old you. and a three-year-old. But I will share something vulnerable that happened yesterday. So we were in the kitchen and our three-year-old like didn't want to eat. He didn't want to finish his dinner. He wanted a banana. And my husband was like, no, you have to finish. You should like finish your dinner. And for us, he doesn't have to finish the whole plate because I'm always super conscious of like that, right? Like you don't have to finish your whole plate, but like you're still hungry, right? So you might as well just finish your dinner um, instead of having fruit. So he starts crying. And my three-year-old is in this very space where he's crying and he realizes that, you know, he's gotten really emotional. He usually asks for a hug. So he's like, can I have a hug to my husband? And my husband says, as an immediate, like a knee-jerk reaction, my husband's like, I'll give you a hug when you stop crying. And I immediately, I'm like super furious. Like I'm, my blood is boiling. But in essence, I'm also, you know, I'm also thinking about do not react. You're in front of all of the children right? You have to protect him too. So um, his name is Levi. Levi was like, mommy, can you give me a hug? And I'm like, and so I'm like, okay. So I'm trying to navigate this space. And my husband's like, Karina, and I'm watching him, right? Because this is about parenting now. And my husband's like, Karina, please let me handle this. And I'm like, okay. So mind you, just imagine like a three-year-old on my butt like tagging, like grabbing my pants, like, please. I don't have that much self-control. I'm sorry. Like, please give me a hug. And so I turn around and I look at my husband. My husband's like, he's like, are you annoyed? And I said, I, I, I need to give him a hug. And he's like, okay. 
So I give, mind you, like literally maybe three, four minutes had passed. So I give Levi a hug. I rub him on his back and I say, baby, it's okay. Right now, you just really should finish as much as you can of your dinner. And so if you're still hungry after that, then we can, you know, look at some other options. But, you know, this had been a habit for him. He hasn't been finishing his dinner and then all he wants is milk and fruit. And I'm like, you need protein. You need Mm -hmm. other stuff in your system. And so we put everybody to bed and the way that my husband handles conflict is hilarious. And so he'll come over and try to touch me in like, you know, a sexy way. And he just comes over and starts to play around with me. And he's like, come on. No. Yeah. And I'm like, like, no. no. And he looks at me and he's like, you don't have to say what you want to say. I get it. And I said, all right, what do you get? And he said, my husband's family name is Sam. His name is Terrence, but he was called by his dad's middle name, Sam. And he said, in that moment, little Sam was never allowed to cry. And and I just, Ugh. I had a knee-jerk reaction and I was passing down something traumatic to our kids. And I'm sorry. And he goes, please, I'm in a very vulnerable state. Please don't give me a speech. I really do get it. And it's interesting. Sometimes yeah. that's all we need. I'm not the type to like beat yeah. somebody when they're down. So I I would have appreciated, which I'm mm-hmm. sure that yeah. you did with all your experience, like just even verbalizing it. Like, yo, I, I, I was, yeah, I yeah, was yeah. Wrong. You know, and sometimes we want that too. I think mm-hmm. the word on the street is always like wives always want to be right and like happy wife, happy life type of stuff. Yeah, I'm like, what is that? And no, trust me, we're very self-aware. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we want to be vulnerable like that as well and be able to just say, yo, I know I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that I was you know, I had to pay attention to the kids and I haven't paid much attention to you this week. Mm -hmm. And for it to just be that and not be, you know, so big, but that speaks so much Karina to how well you guys communicate Mm -hmm. and how much work you guys have put into this union that he felt safe enough to immediately Mm -hmm. correct his behavior and be able to share that with you. Like yeah. what he noticed, because sometimes it's, that's one thing that I see in partnerships and in marriage that sometimes we're so stuck in our ego that it, it'll yeah. take us months for something that could be solved in one day. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll say that a lot of that is due to our faith is also due to, we were in marriage therapy for a very long time and we each have our own therapists. And I think that through my own therapy, I'm able to hold that space through his own therapy. He went for more of how to communicate and, and building that confidence and self-trust with himself. So, you know, I think when people say do the work, the work isn't pretty. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. No, it's not. It's, it hurts a lot. I, we've been through several, and, and Pedro and I always talk about this, we've been through, through several marriage encounters. Mm-hmm. That's something in, in the Catholic church where it's like, a whole weekend, mm-hmm. I'm going to be very honest and I'm sorry to anyone that's listening. It's painful. Mm-hmm. Like I felt exhausted at the end, but it. we also say it saved our marriage mm-hmm. because it, we even talked a lot during these moments, during these workshops, um, these retreats mm-hmm. about intimacy. And I love that they brought that into that space mm-hmm. because I do find a lot of times 
with people that I speak to, wives that I speak to, moms, they'll use kind of like sex intimacy as like um, a punishment or like mm. a weapon. Like I'm not giving him some because he hasn't even been mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. And I just like, I'm like quiet to myself because <laughs> I'm thinking, well, I'm sorry, I'm not going to punish myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm not punishing myself. But um, I do love, I was listening to one of your recent episodes talking about listening. Mm. And the type of listener that we are. Mm-hmm. And I and it was like my brain was just fluttering all over the place because with intimacy too, first of all, guys, intimacy is not just having sex mm-hmm. with your partner. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how we could go have a whole different podcast about um, it. <laughs> podcast about that. Mm-hmm. But to me, like holding hands and smooching and hugging and talking mm-hmm. and flirting and all of that is even as powerful mm-hmm. as the act of, you know, sex. Yeah. And it, it, it leads to better, like, sex, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. But I want you to talk a little bit about being a better listener because I do feel that us being better listeners to one another mm-hmm. also contributes to our spark, which mm-hmm. contributes to our intimacy. Hi, moms. We know you are fiercely navigating the busy world of mothering. The Motherhood Kid Podcast has got your back. This episode is proudly sponsored by One Love Nanny Services, reshaping childcare in Tampa Bay with a personal touch. Imagine tailored, exceptional childcare without the hassle. One Love Nanny understands the demands of your fast-paced life. We offer time-saving, customized nanny matching services and convenient babysitting memberships. Elevate your childcare experience with precision and care. Visit onelovenanny.com today because every family deserves exceptional support. Yeah, and I, I do want to, it's such a good point that you're making, Yamel, but, and I do want to preface that we're not saying be a perfect listener. Right. We're literally saying be a better listener, which which means transition. So like it's going to take moments. And there, even if I know the tactics of being a better listener, I will still have moments where I'm not. So it's not about perfection. It's always about progress in your relationship. Um, I'll say that when it comes to being a better listener, we, we have our, our, the ways that we listen, right? Which is also the ways that, um, that I mentioned before. Many of us will listen with the fixer mentality, right? Where we're thinking yeah. to ourselves, our partner is sharing something and we're ready to fix it. Like that's me. <laughs> we're yeah, ready to me. fix it. And what I want you to understand about that is that that is such a good heart posture to have. And it really does come from a good place and your partner deep down inside and you deep down inside know that. And what you're doing when we're listening as the fixer, we're robbing our partners of the opportunity to come up with their own solutions and come up with the habit of also being able to aid and fix themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And so plenty of times my husband will say, Oh, I'm going, you know, my husband's a race car driver and he, bu- he builds race cars. And so he's like, I have to go to track me, but I still need fuel and blah, blah, blah. And Karina, right? The Karina, the fixer will be like, Oh my God, well, do you need me to watch the kids? Do you need me to do this? And I will sit there and wait because his brain is processing the story and processing mm-hmm. the solutions that he needs. I will wait. And then he'll be like, You know what? Um, do you think you could watch the kids? Because I'm going to, yeah, I, I I think that's what I need right now. And I'm like, okay. He will then develop the habit of asking and creating the solution. 
And I know plenty of listeners are like, but I could come up with it faster. Yes. But when you do, you're robbing them of the opportunity Mm -hmm. to do that process themselves. And so understand that the way that you listen is just a form of you loving them. But how do we listen with still empowering them, right? Mm -hmm. Same goes for some of us listen as the protector where we're listening with the ability, we're seeing everything that's going wrong in the situation. And we're like ready with a rebuttal letter. We're ready to tell them how things won't work out. Now, what this does is it can rob them of their confidence that they're trying to build, right? And instead of being the protector, I want you to start becoming curious. So my husband will come into the room and he'll be like, I really want XYZ. My brain will be like, XYZ is 50 grand. How are you going to invest that? So I'll say, wow, even though I know it's about 50 grand, how much does something like that cost? Oh my God, it's about $50,000, but I have a plan. So you, so you see, and now I afforded and I allowed my partner to retell the story. When you become curious, instead of offended and instead of the protector, you'll get a lot more ROI in that conversation. <sighs> I'm the fixer. So I was listening to that episode and I'm like, okay, Yamal, like I loved everything that you mentioned because, and I know there's a lot of fixer moms out there, wives mm-hmm. out there, because I speak to them every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is like you said in the episode, it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And then it almost makes us angry yeah. because we're, but nobody told you to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. So like we need to be conscious of our listening style. Mm-hmm. And like you said, do a little bit better, yeah. not perfect. And one thing that I love about partnership and marriage that I do want to point on is We've been married 25 years and I still don't feel like we have it completely figured Mm -hmm. out. Mm. And that is completely fine with me Mm -hmm. because that means that I am not bored Mm -hmm. and I still have stuff to work on Mm -hmm. and I love to learn. Mm -hmm. So I want to continue learning about him and I want to continue to be interested in him and Mm -hmm. having fun and, you know, figuring things out in this journey. And I think that we need to hone in and find beauty in that instead of being like, well, I've been married to him for five years already and he still doesn't know Mm -hmm. how I like to be touched or still Mm -hmm. doesn't know how I like him to listen, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Instead of like, let's think about it as something like, no, you guys are still learning, which is beautiful because you're you're individual people, like you said, going to individual therapy mm-hmm. and have to work on yourself. Yeah. And then work on this this yeah, union. Absolutely. And I it's interesting when you said I've been married for X amount of years and I still don't, I finished that sentence in my head, which I said I've been married for 11 years and I still don't know all of who he is. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that. a lot that. of our, I love that too. Mm-hmm. A lot of what happened to your husband with his childhood, mm-hmm. a lot of that we still have it buried and mm-hmm. we're through experiences, it's, it's coming up. Yeah. Even the way that we see intimacy mm-hmm. and all of that. So let's touch on the very last tip, mm-hmm. which is on keeping the spark alive. Yeah. Because I know that unfortunately, I see a lot of marriages that do end because of lack of spark and Mm -hmm. lack of intimacy and all that. So some of the things that I like to do, and I've talked about that here, and I can't wait to hear yours, is dates don't have to be all elaborate and Mm -hmm. crazy. Mm -hmm. They don't have to be all fancy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we sit by the pool or sometimes it's grabbing takeout and telling the kids. So this is the funny part. We tell our kids, Don't open the door. We're celebrating our marital sacraments (laughs) and they find it hilarious. 
and they're like ill, but <laughs> they get it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's going to help. I, I do know, I feel like it's going to help them as they walk into their partnerships to prioritize their love, yeah. you know, their love yeah. together and their love story. Mm-hmm. What are some ways that you keep the spark alive? So a couple of things. I want to say that in order to keep the spark alive, one, you need to pour from a full cup, which is why your cup needs to be full first. And we keep pouring into our kids and our relationship and the job first. And what you don't understand is that everybody's getting the last of you. So if you were to pour into yourself first, everybody would get 100% of you. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Numero dos, I will say keeping the spark alive is literally just being creative. If you can be creative with arts and crafts, if you can be creative with schedules, if you can be creative with your job, with everything else that's going on in your life, you can be creative in the bedroom. Literally, spark is just being creative and finding ways to be able to align that creativity with the bedroom and your partner. And I know many of us are like, but I'm so upset at him. Okay, I understand. But you're waiting to not be upset with him to have sex with him. What if you had sex with him and that is what cured the upsetness? Thank you. Amen. (laughs) We're going to bold that. Yes. Yes. What if that cured the upset? You're doing it in reverse. Just be intimate. And I promise you, it will decrease the upsetness and frustration because you'll feel each other. I'm telling you, it's babies don't just need skin to skin with their moms or their parents. We need skin to skin too. Like we need that. It's a different type of connection. In one of our marriage encounters, one of the leaders said, if you're going to fight, fight naked. (laughs) I love that. I love that. I love that. And so I really, really love these tips. Thank you so much for joining the Motherhood Kit. And I I really am so excited for our listeners to yes. now go and venture over into your podcast and your platform and learn even more to heal themselves and be better partners in their marriage. Thank you, Karina. Of course. Thank you so much, Yamel, for having me. You're welcome. Bye. That's all for today's episode here on the Motherhood Kit. I hope you found this discussion helpful and I really hope that you get creative with connecting with your husband or partner right now. Remember that although motherhood is the most important thing in our life, it isn't the only thing in our life and we can keep the spark alive in our relationship. Let's continue the conversation. I love to chat. You can find me on Instagram at Yamel Belen, on TikTok at The Motherhood Kit, and you can also find Karina Davies and her information in the show notes. Let's continue to hold hands in this season of motherhood. Until next time.